I'll stay with faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. The scripture text comes from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live. Somebody say to live. To live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. Somebody say taught you. When you come to church on Sunday, you come to be taught something. Amen. And sooner, sooner or later, your teaching got to match up with your living. So the intent is not to come in here and be taught something today and then forget everything you're taught and live another way once you leave here. Is that making sense to anybody? Say amen if it did. He says, you live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught. Somebody say taught. What we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. But this is going to be our second sermon in our series that we've entitled how you're living. How you're living. And, and the intent of the question is for you to do a self-examination where you study your own behavior and motivation. It's a time where you allow the word of God to cause you to take an introspective and self-contemplative look at your life in order to answer the question, how you're living. Teenagers, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm not going to leave you out. I'm going to find somewhere to talk to y'all specifically. Because how you living represent what you've been taught and who you've been taught by. And your living is important, not just at the spot, but in Choctaw, Fort Walton Beach, Niceville, Crestview. If you live in the spot one way and live at the school another way, my question is, how you? I ain't going to get no amen from the corner back there. But, 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 but I'm going to come at you for a few minutes. Teachers, you can, teachers, you can stop fanning. Let, let, let me go. Now, the word live is often translated walk in some Bibles. So you synonymously. And, and it depends on the translation that you use. So today, wherever you hear me use the term walk, you will probably find live in uh, a use the term live, you will probably find walk in the Bible that you may have. So to live is, is how we act or conduct ourselves. The, the, the control and order of our behavior in a way that pleases and glorifies God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word live implies a continuous action. It means to keep on living, to continue to live, or to habitually walk in a way that glorifies the Lord. And the ultimate goal for us as Christians and all believers should be to honor Christ through our actions. Somebody say actions. Through our words. Somebody say words. Through our thoughts. Somebody say thoughts. See, you didn't know that your thoughts are important to God. And as a child of God, you just can't think everything you want to think. Amen. Amen. Your thinking is important because the way you think will determine how you act. And so he says we got to check ourselves when it comes to our thought and our motives. 
Now, the first turn I want to take today, I want to make a quick stop in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. The book of Proverbs is a, a, a book that is full of a lot of what they call little pithy sayings, little wisdom sayings, things that, that King Solomon wrote because some consider him to be the wisest man to ever live. But he wrote some things that are good for us to apply in our daily lives. And so the young people, for those of you who may not study the Bible every day, I would encourage you, start with the book of Proverbs. Get a translation that you can easily understand and just read one proverb a day. And if you would do that, I guarantee you'll find some things in there that will make life a whole lot better if you try to follow the things that you read. Amen? Now look at this. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, he says, these, pro these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, somebody said their purpose. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom. Somebody said wisdom. And discipline. See, intellect don't always equate to wisdom. There are some smart people that make dumb decisions. There are some people that go to school for law and then break the same law that they defend others for. So therefore, they have intellect, they have smarts, but they don't always have... So, so this book is designed to teach us wisdom, how we can make sound judgment and sound decision when it comes down to life, and to discipline us. Discipline to teach us how we should live and how we should act, and to help us understand the insight of the wise. Did you know that everybody is not just blessed with it, but everybody can get it? Because the Bible said wisdom comes from a... So if you lack it, you're not supposed to ask man, you're supposed to ask... And he can give that to you. And so he said, now look, there are some people in, that's going to come in your lives, young people, that, that may be a little younger than you or could be older than you, but they may not be as smart as you are. But they may have one thing that you lack, and that's wisdom. And you ought to always seek after wisdom and your intellect will make you a much better person. Amen. You don't want to be a dumb fool. A smart fool, I should say. So, so now, so what he says is that they will help us to understand the insight of the wise. So that means that people that are wise have insight that everybody else don't. You need to find somebody, place them in your life, that you believe God has put them there to be wisdom for you. Because as you're matriculating your way through school and through life, you're going to have to make decisions that's going to impact the rest of your life. And you don't want to make an unwise decision because you've been taking counsel from a fool. Let me read on. I know that we're going to go over too well. He says, their purpose, the, the proverb, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful. Somebody say successful. I know y'all wouldn't like the word discipline, so I want to hit the word successful lie because everybody want to be successful. Nobody want to be disciplined. But everybody wants to be successful. But the Bible tied the two things together. So if you discipline your life, there's a good possibility you can be su successful. People have discipline practices. They do things a certain way in order to be successful. So what I'm trying to tell you, God is saying, if you study these Proverbs, they will give you the wisdom, the insight, and they will help you to be successful so that you will know what is right, just, and fair. Now this last one is where I... I what really made me stop. He says, these Proverbs give insight to the simple. Somebody say simple. 
That's the Bible's way of saying someone, you know, who ain't the smartest guy in the class. You know, I can put my picture right there. Coming through high school, I wasn't the smartest guy in chemistry. You know, my chemistry teacher told me, you know, if it wasn't for football, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even get this D. But because I want to keep you eligible and it'll balance itself out. Because so chemistry with me. I, I wasn't that guy. I was that simple guy. But one thing the Lord blessed me with is a good dose of common. And with this common sense, I can talk to folks that's more educated than I am and hold them a nice conversation. Because this book says, if you get the knowledge, even though you're simple, he will make you wise in the, in the presence of people that are smarter than you. Wiser than your elders. So what I'm trying to challenge our young people today is that don't let age determine how wise you are. Study the word of God and allow God's word to speak to your heart and mind, and these things will work for you. He says these proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discerning discernment to the young. So you don't have to be old to be wise. You don't have to be old to know how to make goodness. But if you trust God and his word, he can help you with those things. Amen? Now my second turn today is going to be in Romans. Romans chapter 6. This is a, a little going to another level here. So I just threw that in for the young folks today. That's the only reason I stopped in Proverbs. So the rest of this apply to everybody. Proverbs did too, but I was specifically aiming at the kids right there. Since I knew you was going to be in the house, I didn't want y'all to leave here thinking, well, you know, he just talked over my head. I ain't know nothing he was talking about. I just told you one thing you can count as true. Don't take advice from a foolish person. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Look at this. God want us to to live new lives. Somebody say new lives. See, since we have identified with Christ through baptism, I, and I won't put nobody on the spot, but I'm assuming most of you all in here probably have been baptized. Baptism, the symbolization of you identifying with Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So that baptism kind of symbolizes us going down an old person and coming up a new person. That's an outward transaction. But if the newness don't take place in your heart, the water ain't going to do nothing for you. So what we have to do is when we connect with the Lord, we got to make that connection in our spirit just as well as that physical outward exp expression. You understand what I'm saying? And so now with that, if the outward expression goes through this initiation process, then there got to be an internal process that takes place on the inside of you that make you live what you just experienced. And see, it's important for us to understand that sometimes we judge and look at things from the outward, when in reality we ought to be trying to discern what's on the inside. And so what he wants us to see here is that when you realize who you are and what you have done when you have identified with Jesus in baptism and you went down one way, came up a new way, he's expecting you now to live differently. Amen. You may not want to. And at first it may be difficult. But God would not put an expectation on you that is beyond your means to accomplish. So look at this. So God wants us to do that. And he has no problem, you know, letting us know 
how we should conduct and carry ourselves. Now, Paul had just got through talking to them about grace and how good God's grace was, and, you know, God is always graceful, and I heard somebody talk about grace, and it's good to know how much God loves us in spite of us. And, and so some young people or some young Christian or young person, believer, may have heard that grace message and thought that, wow, you know, he just told us where sin abound, grace abound, that much more. So in my natural mind, that sounds like a good deal. Man, just go ahead and join God's team. Get initiated into his family. And then just keep on sinning so he can just keep on pouring some. Yeah, in the natural mind, the logical mind will say, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, but guess what? How many of you ever been initiated into an organization? Any kind? Ain't got to be scared of yeah. Now, whether you are initiated into a fraternity, a sorority, or, you know, the safe patrols or whatever. When you came in and you went through all the ritualistic stuff to get in, and the initiation took place, and they brought you across the line, and you got your colors and all that, they put an expectation on you. They expect you to live in accord with their guidelines. So what I'm trying to tell you, when you got initiated into God's family through your identifying with Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, he put an expectation on you. And if we can live under man's expectation, surely we got to strive to live how God wants to live. Amen. So look at this. Someone asked the question, well then, in verse 1 in chapter 6 of Romans, well then, should we keep on sinning? so that God can show more and more of his wonderful grace. And when I was coming up, they told me that sounded like faulty logic. You know, in the natural, it makes sense to the natural mind, but somewhere there's some things in that it just don't line. So God will save you because of his grace, but because his grace is so plentiful, he just wants you to keep living like a dog. So he can keep giving you some. Verse 2 to answer the question. Y'all don't have to answer. The Bible does. The Bible says, of course not, with exclamation point. Certainly not. You can't do that. He says, since we have died to sin. Somebody say died to sin. Now, you may not have stopped sinning yet. But when you got baptized, you were supposed to die. In other words, when I die to something, I no longer identify with it. That's how the Jews do something. They say they died or something. They could even die to people and they'll tell a relative that they're upset with, I've died to you. That means, hey, look, I don't no longer have any dealings with you. See, that's what we got to get when we look at sin. We got to say that because I've got this relationship with Jesus Christ now, I've died to sin, meaning I no longer want to have any dealings with it. Yes, it's going to come at me hard sometimes. Yes, I may give in and stumble, but when I do now, I got to wait back to God. All I got to do is ask him to forgive me. But I don't go on practicing sin. So he says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? If you're dead to it, you can't live in it. The only way we can live in it is we ain't dead. That was supposed to be an amen point right there. Somebody supposed to say amen and agree with God right there. 
See, when, when I don't get the amen for what they're supposed to be feeling, that means the word is getting some resistance. Because when you say amen, that means I agree with it. But when you don't say amen, it means that, Pastor's asking, <laughs> Pastor said some things that, ooh, I can continue in it, but it is good to me. But he said you got to die too. Just in case, he says this in verse 3. Or have you forgotten that when you are joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we join him in his death? Like he died, we sin symbolically, we die. He says, for we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power, somebody say power, by the glorious power or energy of the Father, now we also may live new. The Bible says you may, which let me believe that if you don't want to, you don't have to. But then I would say, did you really get initiated into the family? Why did you get initiated into this family if you don't want to do what's required to be in the family? Finley, you are alpha. And I'm pretty sure they wouldn't want you to act like a Q. They would have a problem with that. They would say, man, look at you. Why did you, why did you join us? And then now you're acting like. I don't know if that's to be true. It could have been the other way around. But what I'm trying to say, they have an expectation. And God has that same expectation since we have died to sin and identified with Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, he's expecting us to live a new life. He says, and just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may, ha- may live new lives. Now look at verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Verse 6. We know, somebody said we know. He says, we know that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. So what I'm trying to tell you, if you have really bought into the truth of your baptism and what it represents, then now you don't have to live under the power of sin anymore. But if you do, it's because you have made the, made the choice. He says, it has lost its power over our lives, and we are no longer slaves. Somebody say slaves. You're no longer a slave to your old nature. It's still there. It want to do certain things that you don't want to do, but you ain't a slave no more. You got a new master now. And so it's time for you to operate like your new master wants you and not your old. See, Young people, you all are living in a time now where you're challenged in so many different ways and everybody trying to be your master. Social media, you can't even go out on a nice post now, man. Somebody telling you some stuff, trying to get in your head and become your master. That's why you need to be able to discern what God is saying to you from his word so that you can filter out some of that stuff the world is putting into your head. Because it's easy to come to church on Sunday and get taught the word but then on Monday, live in accordance with the world. 
So he says, we are no longer, somebody say slaves. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Somebody say, I've been set free. You've been set free. So you need to start living and acting like you're a free person now. You're not supposed to live and act like you're still a slave under the bondage of sin. Man, it, it ought to make you feel good to say, I'm trying to live without sin. I mean, it, it, Cliff, it made me feel good when I said I was trying to live my life without getting drunk another day in my life. Man, it made me feel good, Latham, when I decided I was going to stop cursing. And when two years later I was delivered from cursing, it made me feel good that you can upset me to the nth degree and I ain't going to call you no curse word, even though they still registered. They still up there, every last one of them. I can, you know, now in this world, I could be out there typing them in and cold out there, you know, calling you all kinds of stuff. But there's something on the inside of me that won't allow me to do that, even though I used to do it. Why? Because I had to die. And so when I said I was going to die to curse him, that meant that I was going to come in covenant with God and say, out of my mouth, you won't hear me say my childhood language that I was brought up with. So if he can deliver me, he can deliver anybody. You curse and say vile things out your mouth because you... Let me tell you this. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Now that we live in this newness of life, in this world that God has placed us in, it's imperative for us to live as though we are citizens of heaven and not of this world. Brother Jamie talked about this to the man yesterday. But see, when I live as a citizen of heaven, I see myself as an ambassador here in earth. I'm not here to do what the world wants me to do anymore. I'm here to do what God wants me to do. Now, when Paul wrote this to the Philippians, Philippi was on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. And so it, they were a long way from Rome. But because they were a Roman colony, everything that went on in Rome, they expected them to do in Philippi. They expected them to dress like the Romans, to talk like the Romans, to legislate like the Romans, to eat like the Romans, because they were surrounded by some barbaric nation, and they're saying, hey, look, you got to remain loyal to Rome even though you're miles and miles away from the capital. And even though we are miles and miles away from heaven, we got to live like we're citizens of heaven down here on earth. And God got an expectation of how he wants you to act while you in the earth. And because of that, he will look down in our lives from time to time and remind us, you're not acting like my child. And I'm pretty sure the Romans would have a problem if they looked in on a colony and found out they done came up with another form of government. We're no longer going to recognize the emperor. We're no longer going to do it. They would have a problem with that. And so he's saying, now look, if you don't truly see yourself like a citizen of heaven, you'll come under a government that you don't belong to. Y'all better say better than that. Because you're in the earth, you don't belong to the earth, you belong to God. Because now that you belong to him, that means that I take my instruction from him and not from 
earth. And if I don't buy into that as a truth, young people, that got to be your truth. Your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Yeah, you vote down here, you pay taxes down here, but when it comes to who regulates how you ought to live in a way to glorify God, the world don't give you those standards. He does. And so therefore, because he gives us those standards, he's expected us to be loyal to him, just like the Roman government expected these people in Philippi to be loyal to the government, even though they was miles and miles away. So look at this, what he says, above all, verse 27, chapter 1. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting, somebody say conducting. I-N-G, conducting, ongoing. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Whether, then whether I come and see you again or hear or only hear about you, I will know that you have been standing side by side fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. In other words, when you all leave here, young people, and get to school tomorrow, y'all got to stand side by side and defend the gospel that you believe in. And when you start defending what you believe in, there's going to be some opera. There are going to be people who will come against you because you say, hey, look, now I'm trying to live like God wants me to live and not like the world want me to live. And as I make that commitment and try my best to do that, then there are going to be some people who say, hey, I'm not under that ownership. So therefore, I want you to live like I live. And you have to draw a line in the sand and say, Who you gonna, whose side you going to be on? But the choice is, it's yours. So in verse 28, he said, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. When people start coming against you, that's a good thing. Especially if they're coming against you for what you believe about Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when we go through life and we see that we are citizens of heaven and we're citizens of God's kingdom, then now we have to strive to live like we're kingdom citizens. The instructions for living in God's kingdom is found right here in a book that we don't like to read. This is the Constitution. This is where your Bill of Rights at. And if you buy into that and live like he wants you to live, now I'm not, you know, I know everybody ain't going to believe as hard as Pastor Bolden believe and all that, okay. But I just challenge you with this. If you just at least try to live what this say. You ain't, I ain't said you ain't got to believe it all. Just try to live like it say live. I believe your life will be better. Just for trying to live like this. Get rid of your other playbook. Throw the other playbook away. Start living by this playbook. It ain't going to steal your fun. You're going to steal, because if it was steal your fun, y'all wouldn't have a spot. So if pastor was thinking that it would kill your fun, You'll be down here every Sunday. Y'all up there, but your citizens of your citizenship. Oh Lord, have mercy! I don't know how I got that. Your your citizenship remains here, so there's an expectation for you, even though you're up there, 
that you got to kind of live like the citizens. They probably say, I'm glad we don't do this for once a quarter. I'm almost done. Philippians chapter 2. This is the last turn. I hope this makes some sense. Look at this. Now, after we understand our citizenship and where our authority and our rules and guidelines come from, Paul lets them know that he was giving them instructions so that as they grow in the Lord, they will live clean, innocent lives as children of God. And if they live clean, innocent lives, he tells them, you will shine in the world that you're living in. How you living can impact the world that you're in. And what happens is, when you live like God wants you to live, you're going to be in a stark contrast to the way the world want you to live. And when they see you living like God wants you to live, then they can't help but notice you. If we go unnoticed in a dark world, it's a good possibility there's no light coming from us. So he was trying to get them to understand, even though Paul could be very profound in some of the things he was saying, but he was very practical. And this is very practical what he's trying to get them to see on today. And, and this is not just for the kids, but this is for all of us who will say we're children of God. Amen. So now he says in verse 12, chapter 2, he says, Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. Well, we sitting here together on church on Sunday. Ain't too many people going to jump up and cut the food. Because you're with us. You're with Pastor Bolden. You ain't going to just jump up and start cussing nobody out in here. Even though you still got cussing in you. But because I'm with you, you probably got enough respect that I ain't going to even cuss in church. I was there. Cussing didn't leave me to many years after I got saved. So I was still sitting in the pews and I was a genuine cusser. The greed. Could tie a lot of cuss words together. You know what I mean? But one day something happened, Major, and I decided I wasn't going to talk like that anymore. I made a commitment, I wrote it in my Bible, and it took me two years to be delivered from that. But once I made it, that commitment, and put it in my Bible, you're going to see here, something started working on the inside of me. And when something starts working on the inside of you, if you let it complete the work that's going on on the inside of you, you can be delivered from whatever it is you're trying to get delivered from. So he says, now, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. It's going to be more important tomorrow whether you're on your job. 
whether you're in your algebra class, or your French class, or whatever class you're in, it's going to be more important tomorrow that you live what you're taught. In here, I just said it. You're not going to act out and act crazy unless you just really have one of those attacks that come over you for something. But even when I was a chief sinner, Tanya, I knew how to act in. I had a respect for God's house. But what I'm trying to say, someone had to teach me that the same respect I had for his house, I had to have respect for him outside. And if I carried that same respect outside, then I would live outside just like I act on the... So it's more important. Then he says, work hard. Somebody said, work hard. I guess that's grinding now. He said, you got to grind. You, this ain't going to just happen. You got to grind. If you don't want to stop cussing, you ain't going to stop. You got to, if you don't want to stop fornicating, it ain't going to just happen. You got to, if you don't want to stop lying, it ain't going to happen. You're going to have to put in the, and you know, in high school, I know y'all, y'all in, there's a lot of things that could be enticing you. All the way from, you know, internet stuff to what people try to get you to ingest, be it alcohol or drugs. And I'm here to tell you, if you've ever been introduced to it, you're going to have to work hard. To get off of it. To be delivered from it. But God already knows you can. And I'm going to show you here the reason you can because he put something on the inside of you to remind you that it's possible. He says, now work hard to show the results of your salvation. In other words, when you leave here, act like you're saved. Work hard. <laughs> it ain't going to be easy, Finley. But he said you got to. We got to learn that living the life that God wants for us is not an easy journey. But if you put in the work, God can take you where you want to go. So he says now, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. In other words, have a respect for God. Since God's presence in your life all the time. So if you always feel like his presence is with you, then you will do your best to act right whether you're in here or whether you're at school or whether you're walking through Walmart. <laughs> the brothers know what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> I learned that lesson today online. I learned that lesson today. If you want to... Because you want to show the results of your salvation. When you got baptized, that was supposed to think some things supposed to happen in your life. And he's saying now you got to work hard to show forth the, re the results. Now look at this. He, then he tells how. For God is working in you. Somebody say God is working in me. If you're sitting in here today, God is working in you. You may not accept everything I'm saying, but God is. And if you continue to allow him to work in you, he can bring about a change in you. So the fact that you're here today is a, is a good sign. It's a good thing that you're here because you say, hey, God is. And some of the things that God's going to work out you, it may take five years, may take two years, may take some time, but you just keep letting him work. 
And that's what we got to tell our young people and our old people. Look here, I know you're going through some things. I know life is coming at your heart, but God is working on the inside of you. There's something that's working that calls me to stop and pause and think before I do something because I want my wisdom to come forth. God is Major, he said, for God is working in you. And that working is I-N-G, meaning that it is ongoing. Why are you sitting here right now? God is working. And if you just move out of the way and let his spirit have its way in your life, God will complete the work that he's trying to accomplish in you. He didn't start on you just to leave you. He want to finish what he Now look at this. This is what you got to buy into this truth. He says, now, for God is working in you, not outside of you, but in you. Pastor Bolden worked from the outside in, and that puts you on a guilt trip. But you got to realize that something on the inside of you that will make you do right when Pastor Bolden ain't even around you to. Because if I guilt you there, you ain't going to do it no longer than you with me. But if you accept this truth that there's something in me that is more powerful than any word that Pastor Bolden can give me, but God placed that in me to help me to get where he wants me to be because he's still working. And look at this. He says, now, Brother Fred, he says, God is working in you, giving you the desire. Somebody say desire. You know, before you got saved, we had some desires and some proclivities that didn't line up with God. But now that we are saved, our desires are supposed to be regulated by him. And he said, now look, if you let me work in you, I can give you the desire and the power that you need to get what you need done, get done. He says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what please him. You ain't in this thing by yourself. God is working in Isaiah. He's working in you. You know, been with you a long time. And he's got something that he want to accomplish in you. And you just got to know that every time something comes up in your life, you got to tell yourself, God is working in me. And he's going to give me the desire and the to do what pleases him. So stop telling yourself, oh, I'm just too weak. I can't get it done. No, no, no. Y'all already believe that the energy out there somewhere. Yeah, I know the young people talk about energy. I can feel your energy. You just emitting that energy. Well, I'm telling you, God done put that same energy on the inside of you. And just like you can feel it coming off other folks, you ought to feel it coming off in you. When it's time for you to do what God has called you to do, just let that energy do what it's designed. I'm tired of y'all calling it. I just feel that negative energy coming off you. Well, you better put some positive energy on top of it. Now, y'all know I had to study that because, you know, I don't talk like that. But I, when, I, when I listen to young folk, they, they don't talk Holy Spirit. They talk energy. I just translate that to be Holy Spirit. So therefore, when God said he put power on that's the Holy Spirit, but y'all just translate Holy Spirit to God's energy. Since y'all know how to recognize energy, I want you to recognize the source of 
Now look at this. He must know someone wasn't going to like what I just said. So he's, he, the Bible just got a way of knowing stuff. Do everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> stop arguing with each other and stop arguing with God's word. I ain't just, he brought me down here to hear that today. I did not come down here for that. I came to get my medal. I came to get recognized. And now I had to, while I walked into that, I used, stop arguing. Stop. stop. Somebody said, I'm glad I'm here today because God wanted me to hear something that can change my life. So when y'all get to school tomorrow and y'all got that changed spirit walk around on you and your friend come at you, you got to say, stop complaining. I'm a new creation now. I'm supposed to act different. I've learned who I am in the Lord. So look, y'all just stop complaining. Stop arguing with me. I done figured out that Sunday is a good day for me to go to church now. And if I can get off my job, I'm going to church. Stop arguing with me. The Bible knows what it's talking about. I'm almost done. Let me see. I, I didn't know I was going to have fun with it. The Lord just showed me some things. I didn't even have my notes. But look at this. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one, somebody say no one, can criticize you. See, as a child of God, you don't want the world to criticize you. And the only way they can criticize us is by how we live. Because, believe it or not, even when I was a heathen in the world, didn't know nothing about Jesus. In my mind, I thought church folk were supposed to be different than me. I didn't know how they were supposed to be different, but they shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And whenever I saw one of them at the same hangouts I hung out, and doing what I was doing, I questioned them and wanted to critic. <laughs> How can you go to church every Sunday and stand there for three hours and then you at the pool hall drinking and cussing like? Like me. Normally you shoot since me and you buds like that, you know, we done kind of got a little bond now, you know, down to back in football. You got to be a light out there on that football field. You got to show them that God has empowered you to get back out there and you can do it in a way that brings glory to him. And when you do that, then you're going to be doing what the Bible said. We want to live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright, somebody say bright lights. Bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. The world is full of people that ain't going to do what God wants them to do. But your job is to let your light so, so that men will see your good works and glorify your father. When we was little coming up in the church, we had a little song. We used to sing about that. I didn't know the significance of it. This little light of mine. I'm gonna everywhere I go 
I'm going to let it. You know, and that thing was so good late, they just used to make up stuff with it. You know, <laughs> all in my home. <laughs> I'm going, all on my job. I'm going, all in my school. I'm going, even when I'm going in the grocery store. <laughs> I'm going to let it, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And what I'm trying to tell some of y'all, it's time for you to shine like God wants you to shine. Let your light so shine that people will see the God that you glorify through your lifestyle. Let your light shine. When you leave here today, when you get to school tomorrow, when you get on the job, when you get on your social media site today, let your light shine. Give God a hand clap of praise. I'm done. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm going to shine. I'm going to shine. I'm going to shine. I'm not going to be put up under a bushel, but I'm going to I'm going to be like a light sitting up on a hill that everybody can see. I'm going to Amen. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap. Hallelujah. 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 Every head bow and every eye closed. Every head bow and every eye closed. We have several appeals for you. My first appeal is for salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never been baptized, you've never identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. But the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart today and say, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. Yeah, I go to church. I've been going to church. But I've never really made that commitment. I've never really been initiated into his family. And I just want to do that by identifying with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If that is you, whether you're in the house or online today, I want you to just please raise your hand saying, yes, Pastor, I want to be baptized. I want to enter into that relationship at a whole new level. If that is you, I see a couple of little children, their hands. So, Dad, if, they, if they're ready, just I see another hand over there. I see another hand in the back back there. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, I want you to just gather your things and go ahead and, and be dismissed. And we have someone that's going to minister to you. If you would, just go ahead and be dismissed at this time. I see you moving. I see you moving. If you're a parent, go with your child. We're going to get some information from them. Ms. Marvin, 